Today, I am honored to welcome my friend and mentor, Scylla Shepard-Hanger, as my guest to talk about aromatherapy and its use as a complementary treatment for cancer. Scylla is the founder and director of the Atlantic Institute of Aromatherapy in Tampa, Florida. She was a founding member of the American Aromatherapy Association in 1988 and served two terms on its board of directors. Scylla serves as the chair of the safety committee for the National Association of Holistic Aromatherapy and has assisted in setting up national standards in education for aromatherapy. After the September 11th tragedy in New York, Scylla formed the United Aromatherapy Effort, a nonprofit charity whose mission is the collection and dissemination of donated aromatherapy products to those affected during critical incidents and emergency work. A licensed cosmetologist and esthetician since 1969, Scylla is also a natural health care practitioner and licensed massage therapist since 1979. Scylla has taught aromatherapy since 1988 and has developed comprehensive aromatherapy educational programs taught throughout the U.S. She is the author of the Aromatherapy Practitioner Correspondence Course and the Aromatherapy Practitioner Reference Manual. Most recently, Scylla began publishing a series of aromatherapy books, beginning with the Aromatic Spa Book in 2007 and the Aromatic Mind Book in 2008. Since 1996, Scylla has been involved in an ongoing research project titled Psychosocial Aromatherapy Research Project Using Aroma in Children with Autism and Other Disorders. Scylla maintains a private aromatherapy practice in Tampa, Florida, where she resides with her husband and two cats. You can learn more about Scylla and her work by visiting her website at AtlanticInstitute.com. That's AtlanticInstitute.com. Welcome to the show, Scylla. I'm glad to have you join us to share your wisdom in the field of aromatherapy. Tell us, how did it all start for you? How did you become involved with aromatherapy? Wow, that's a big question. <laughs> Thank you, KG. That was a wonderful introduction. I was sitting here listening to you tell me all about myself, and I'm like, wow. Anyway, uh, I actually thought that I invented aromatherapy way back in the 80s or maybe even the 70s because I... Uh, was traveling across the U.S. in a Volkswagen bus and came across some oils in a little shop and I bought six of them at the time and not knowing what was real and not, uh, I just liked the scent and eventually ended up making my own perfume, which became my trademark. But I also, after that, became a massage therapist and I began to use them in the massage and realized that, wow, there's there's some effect here that I don't get when I don't use the scented oil. So I, I really thought I'd stumbled upon, upon something really unique, and so I, I thought I really had it down, but I realized later that the word aromatherapy was already out there, and it wasn't just me, and uh, mm-hmm. so I, I realized that it was already a, a therapy, and, and I just went from there. I you know, studied with Robert Tisserin, was one of the first books mm. that was available, and of course, meeting up with the other people that we formed the first association, you know, that was really kind of my start. At the time, I owned a hair salon where we also did massage, so 
in in those days it was really one of the first kind of day spas, even though they didn't call it that mm. at the time. I mean, in the early '80s. So, and I used to sell the oils there, and that that's where I really started. But mm-hmm. I ended up closing that business because I wanted to devote more to the aromatherapy mm-hmm. in my practice. So, uh, in order to get where I am today, I did close down my business mm-hmm. and just concentrated on the educational aspect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you've been teaching and practicing the use of essential oils for more than 20 years now. And what some are the most major changes you've seen in the field of aromatherapy? Well, it really grew from nothing when I first started. and at my salon, and I still do these clients that I started with way back then, and, and I would say, well, I'm getting into something new called aromatherapy, and they go, wow, what's that? Roman therapy, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> they didn't even know what I was saying, or if they were trying to read aromatic, they were aromic, and they just couldn't quite get it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in the 80s, you didn't hear, if you did hear about aromatherapy, it was some new age practitioner, and Oh, you know, it was on the back burner or in the back room or something, and uh, it wasn't—it wasn't a modality. So that is the the most tremendous thing I've seen is the word itself now being used, you know, on Glade air fresheners and things like that. Uh huh. <laughs> it became a big marketing term, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, and now it's very common. There's a lot of there's very probably few people that don't know what it is, at least in the United States. Mm-hmm. And, and I'd chuckle at little jokes and and. Um, sitcoms that'll sometimes have an aromatherapist in there, you know, it's kind of cute that it's entered our mainstream media and stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's what I, that's the biggest thing, is it coming from nothing into mainstream yes. now, about marketing tool. Yes. And, and, and the multi-level uh, companies, too, that got involved with it. Mm-hmm. So. So what do you see as the future of aromatherapy and essential oils, Scylla? Well, hopefully they'll still be around, you know, with all these regulations that are coming down. It's, you know, we've had this threat over us for a long time that we may not even be able to have vitamins, much less essential oils. But, you know, we've had herbs and natural products for thousands and thousands of years, and, and nobody can patent lavender, the plant, so we could at least always have our own. But um, you know, if if we're left alone in that respect, and if we if we're responsible and continue with the research that we need to do yes. to prove what we know works works, mm-hmm. because that that's what we're lacking in our yes. fault right now. Yes, the complementary concerted therapy. effort and research. Yeah, because every modality you're they're always striving to improve. I mean, medicine is always trying to prove that what they think works does, and we need to be the same way. Mm-hmm. You know, people object to us going that route. We have to if we want to be accepted. Right. We the science. Do the do the research. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And show that lavender is an anti inflammatory or that it will mm-hmm. calm people down. But mm-hmm. there are a lot of aromatherapists and people that are in the complementary fields they're scared of that. They're scared of trying to do that or thinking mm-hmm. they need a lot of money to do it. Mm-hmm. No, a mm-hmm. simple study could cost hardly anything. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of grants and funding available. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of free help from people that know how to do research yes. properly. Don't yes. People shouldn't be scared of it. Yes. So in 1998, you underwent radiation treatment for breast cancer yeah. over a three-month period, and our listeners, listeners would love to hear your recommendations for effective complementary treatments during radiation therapy. Well, what aromatherapy oils did you use for healing? Okay, 
years. This this year is my tenth year. I just today received a present uh, from a dear friend of mine, and it's a little bracelet with a little, uh, you know, the pink ribbon and all that. Oh, it was kind of neat that I, you know, in all this time, I, I'm sure people have given me those things, but it was neat to have one today because it is my tenth year, and I focused a lot on that mm-hmm. uh, with going to New Zealand earlier in the year and presenting that paper, and you know, really remembering that I've had cancer because. Cancer to me was an uninvited teacher. Mm-hmm. Something that happened to me that uh, people are freaked out when they hear the word cancer, and me too. Although I I had the best kind, easily treated, and not enough to kill me, you know, but enough to change my life. Yes. But um, so I was a, one of the lucky ones, and, and and still am. So, but uh, as far as aromatherapy, of course, I was devastated when I first heard the news. I had a lot of um, support in my What did you use but for healing the incisions from yeah, your lumpectomy? That was the first thing because I had two surgeries. Now, I have always used <clears throat> anti-inflammatory of helichrysum and artemisia or blue, uh, blue tansy because mm-hmm. those, those are my... Uh, I like blue tansy over any of the chamomile yes. for anti Yes, blue tansy is wonderful. Yeah, and it smells good, too, and it's very soothing. So mm-hmm. that, and then... Um, for the incisions, which healed, I have a great surgeon, so it, they healed right away. But um, the worst part then was the burn of radiation. Yes, yeah, so tell us about that. What oils yeah. did you use for healing your the inflammation of a radiated well, first breast? I used pure aloe right out of the aloe plant because that's about the best thing you can use for a burn. I mean, oils are great, but aloe is even better, so no point in not using it. Mm-hmm. And I had access to the big aloe plant, so I would just take a little slice of it open it up and put that goo all over before and after radiation mm-hmm. and also before and after after my shower three or four times a day I had uh, had a couple of different blends and they again were the anti-inflammatory helichrysum, artemisia maybe some lavender mm-hmm. and I would put that under now the worst on, on breast radiation for me and I think for most women is the underneath part mm-hmm. because that's like the most tendered skin mm-hmm. you know the top part we've tanned before and we've been exposed to the elements but underneath there is like real easily irritated right. so that was the only area that and after this was in the sixth week that I had finally some irritation. I think I had enough preventative stuff that I did not have the irritation that people yes. usually get. So mean, some, some people come away with badly burned skin. Yes, and so what were the results of the treatment that you used? Did you notice well, that you healed faster? Yeah, and so did my doctor, you see. And, of course, he didn't want to know what I had done, although I told him in the beginning, they try to tell you not to use anything on your skin because right. of radiation, which is, I mean, I don't know why, because radiation goes right through the skin, so it doesn't matter what's on the top of the skin. That is going to go through anyway and get to the tissue. So mm-hmm. um, I used it anyway. <laughs> and I told him I was, you know, and he said, well, you know, he didn't want to know about it, but if I thought it would help, then I could do it. 
so mm-hmm. I did. And at the end, he did admit that, yes, I had a lot less irritation than mm-hmm. most women. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know other women and didn't compare myself, but according to him who sees it all the time, mm-hmm. he was amazed at the, the little bit of irritation that I had underneath in mm-hmm. the last week only. Mm-hmm. And there must have been a psycho-emotional benefit to doing something that was, you know, it was empowering that you had a method that you could use. Absolutely. And that, that was it because with cancer and a lot of other diseases, you feel really betrayed by your body. Uh-huh. That's it's what I hear. A, you know, you lose control. You're yes. not in control. You always thought that, oh, your health determined by your working out and you take the right vitamins and blah, blah. But I truly believe that cancer, my cancer in particular, was had an emotional component. It mm-hmm. was about unexpressed emotions and mm-hmm. things like that that I'd stopped to watch. And that's what the statistics show, it, is that mm-hmm. it is a related to uh, that. And so, therefore, a lot of these things come out, you know, while you're six weeks. Well, first of all, I mean, it's not a short thing. I found my lump in May, or, or no, I found it like April. Laying in bed one night, I felt a lump. In May, I had a trip, so I wanted to go on that. I didn't see a doctor until the end of May, and mm-hmm. of course they scheduled surgery right away. Mm-hmm. But it was October before I started radiation. Mm-hmm. I had a lumpectomy, and then they removed the lymph nodes to see if it had spread, which it hadn't. Mm-hmm. And so then I just had to have radiation. I didn't have to have chemo. So, mm-hmm. again, the best kind. I didn't lose my hair. I didn't get sick. I just had mm-hmm. to, every day had to drive over to lay on the table for two mm-hmm. minutes and and that fatigue was the worst part. Yes, of tell us time. about that. You know, yeah, there. I know that's like, one of the side effects of the radiation crazy, treatment. But you know, you got to realize the body heals while it's asleep. That's mm-hmm. when healing occurs. That's why our rest is so important. And uh, when you're getting zapped by radiation, that's killing off cells. So the right. body's got to repair all that. And it, I was so drowsy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would get up in the morning, got my daughter to school. I would go do my walk or run. I think I was still running at that time. I had to walk fast now. <laughs> Save the joints, you know. Yes. And um, then I would do, I would shower, go to my treatment, come home, maybe eat something or lay down, maybe do a few clients and then lay down and then eat and lay down. It was a lot of laying down and a lot of resting. Mm-hmm. But and what to, oils did you use, though, for energy? Yeah. The um, So I would use the stimulants like when I needed to wake up. And my favorite stimulants would be rosemary, basil, and just a touch of peppermint. Yes. That's my favorite um, mm-hmm. stimulant blend. Mm-hmm. So I'd use those during the day while I was working or after. Yeah, I was pretty alert in the morning. It was just once I had the radio, once I had the treatment, the rest of the day just dragged, you know. Yeah. I just wanted to lay down a lot. Yeah. But, you know, I think any sickness is, your body needs to lay down, but your mind needs to lay down, too. And yes. I think sometimes we get sick for that reason because we have not taken that time out for... And your emotions. I think emotions yeah. can be quite intense. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, I really, like I said, it was an uninvited teacher, but it taught me a lot yes. about myself. and. And other people, I learned to say no. Mm-hmm. I always never said no. Mm-hmm. Yes, let Which me seems say. to be a big component. That, mm-hmm. You know, that and inability to, to set your boundaries. Right, yeah, mm-hmm. boundaries. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, sometimes when you're a mom and you have a business and, and you're a caretaker. Like and you're a caretaker. Yeah, yeah. It, it is hard to say no if somebody's mm-hmm. in need, you know. But mm-hmm. I really, I had to say no because I didn't have the energy for them. Yeah, you have to fill your own cup. You know, if your cup is empty, you don't have any, you know, you need to build reserves. 
the other thing I learned, which is real important, was that that receiving is important. Like mm-hmm. I had to learn to let people do for mm-hmm. me, and partly because that way I gave them something. If mm-hmm. I turned it around and looked at it, that I'm giving them an opportunity to do something they really want to do because mm-hmm. they felt so much better by helping me. Mm-hmm. And in reality, I'm glad they made my dinner or cleaned my house or whatever mm-hmm. they did. And by me letting them do it, it gave so it was them a lesson in learning how to yeah. be supported and loved how, and nurtured yeah. by other people. How to receive. And mm-hmm. I, I used that. I turned it around on those firemen in New York that didn't want to get massaged because mm-hmm. they were survivors. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no. But if you know Bill was sitting here, he would want you to get it. You know, if mm-hmm. you could talk now or whatever. You know that you got to take care of yourself, mm-hmm. and, so, and I came here to give to you. So let me do this, and mm-hmm. so that that was a big lesson for me too. So, what oils did you use to calm your mind and emotions and help you relax and get a good night's sleep? Well, geranium has always been my good balancer. Now, is that the rose geranium or yeah, rose geranium? Yeah. And often I use that with rosemary, again, for the stimulant properties, but mm-hmm. the geranium part for the balancing. And then good old lavender. Lavender and sweet marjoram would be my knocking myself out, mm-hmm. but I didn't really have a problem knocking out. I, yes. My problem was more staying awake. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. What about German ever, chamomile? Don't you find that? I just don't like the smell of it. Yeah. Personally, it doesn't yeah. work as well for me. That's mm-hmm. why I like the blue tansy to me. Oh, mm-hmm. that's so soft and cuddly. I Have like you had that. the English German chamomile? Mm, I don't think so. I'll send you some. It's amazing. Yeah, There's nothing summer, like the English German chamomile because uh, the other German chamomiles to me just don't have the sweetness. Yeah, yeah. So I know, you know. And also spikenard can be quite wonderful, but yeah. that's another one that's hard to get a distillation that's, right. you know. And I, I, like, I even like spikenard, but uh, my yeah. problem, like I said, even before cancer was never mm-hmm. uh, going out. It's waking up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. I need the stimulants, like yeah. coffee is my choice. Yes. Know, a drink. Yes. I uh, <laughs> want to wake up a little yeah. bit. But, so uh, tell us know. about receiving long-distance Reiki from several practitioners I know during this time you were receiving Reiki. Was that helpful to you? Yeah, and you know what the coolest thing was, was they all separately, independently recommended geranium. Uh The rose rose geranium, the Uh very thing I was using, you know, for baths and stuff. So that Uh was was really cool. The other neat thing was uh, not only the Reiki therapists, but all the people that loved and cared about me that were on the list at the time. And, I mean, it was all over the world. The morning of my second surgery, by the time I knew I had cancer, and then they were going for the lymph nodes, um, when I was going in to surgery, I had the neatest feeling of all these faces looking down at me. Oh, yes. Tell us about that, just prior to your second surgery. Yeah. They knew knew what time, because I had written, you know. Yeah, I heard there were like 1,100-plus people who were... And, and I said, you know, I'll be going in for surgery at blah, blah, blah. And I swear, I when they were rolling me in, you know, you're laying there face up. And this was really before they give you the good stuff. I might have had Valium or something, you know, but no no heavy-duty IV yet. And uh, But I had a really, really neat feeling of them. I could just feel them, all these like uh-huh. faces looking down on uh-huh. me. And I knew. Like angels. Like, <laughs> yeah. Overlighting. 
That's right. They were my angels. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know if they were some of the list people too, but whoever they were, Mm -hmm. it was a really awesome feeling. Mm -hmm. And when I woke up from that, my mother-in-law was there standing over me, which was really neat. Mm -hmm. My husband had to go out of town, and, you know, I was like alone, kind of, but, um, you know. But not. (laughs) But not, no, not at all, because I had had all those little angels with me. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you kept a journal and recorded your thoughts and your feelings and yeah. affirmations. Was this helpful, Scylla? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, you know, and part of what I talked about when I was in New Zealand being 10 years later is looking back on a lot of it, it seemed like a dream and, and probably good. You know, your body kind of puts you in that state so you don't remember a lot. But mm-hmm. And I think because I was so tired, a lot of it was... Uh, you know that a lot of it did feel like a dream, mm-hmm. and I had some profound dreams during mm-hmm. that time. I dreamed of my mother, who's been dead since '89, but she was driving me to radiation. Wow! You know, like she was with me and stuff like that. Oh, so, wonderful! And I'm yeah. sure she was. Yeah, she was. She was with me. So mm-hmm. you know, I've never had another feeling like that. Oh. So that was pretty cool. So I had a lot of neat things. But then the interesting thing is, you know, when you're pronounced that you have cancer, oh, my God, you have cancer, and then they remove it. They remove the tumor, and then there wasn't none in my lymph nodes. So, and then after radiation, you're pronounced cancer-free, and now you're a survivor. Mm-hmm. I had a real hard time with that. You know? mm-hmm. First of all, they <laughs> it took me months just to say I had cancer, and by the time I was able to say that I had cancer, I would practice alone in the car and whenever. Um, by the time I could say it, I didn't have it anymore. Mm-hmm. Because they had removed that tumor, mm-hmm. which was the not me part. So that that in itself was a little trip of being able to say it. And then survivor, I'm a survivor. So, well, I don't feel like a survivor. I mean, what did I survive, you know? <laughs> that, that was like a, that was a real head trip. But uh-huh. in, this, in the last year, though, I realized, and then, of course, I put it all behind me and didn't even remember that I had had cancer until, of course, now it's 10 years later and I'm reflecting on it all and I realized, wow, 10 years, cool. But what I've realized is that I became a thriver. Uh-huh. Even though there's probably groups out there that talk about this all the time, it just hit me that, yeah, I don't want to just survive. That's yeah, from surviving to thriving. I just did yeah. a, a group with aromatherapy and cancer, and that was the group is about now after surviving, yeah. moving to thriving. Right. So I think that's a very... I, you know, and I think had that presented to me like after, you know, a year into mine or whatever, maybe I could have moved on it quicker, but <laughs> it seems like in this last year... I think because I really changed my diet and went pretty raw and just cleaned myself Yeah, out. it was a lifestyle. The whole thing yeah. was the, a whole, you started a whole new journey, a whole new. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because after cancer, I became, or, you know, totally organic and I've totally changed, I have totally changed my lifestyle. And, mm-hmm. and along with that comes your, your mental, emotional, and spiritualness as well because every, mm-hmm. everything gets different. Do you think journaling helped you with that process? Oh, absolutely. Journaling is, is a fabulous way. Do you to still journal? Yeah, yeah. I journal every mm-hmm. every couple of days. Or yeah. I write down a lot of little things. So like does it help you kind of be in touch with your feelings and your oh, emotions? Yeah. And that and meditation. I meditate a lot. Mm-hmm. I use this really cool uh, tape that you listen to and presents different tones, the center point, Bill Harris's. Oh, I do that. 
I do that. Awesome. Oh, amazing! I didn't know you were into Holosync. Oh, I am. I've been doing it for three years now, and I it's incredible. Well, I attribute a lot of my growth in the last few years to that. Oh, it's incredible, and is the most easy way to meditate because before I my mind is so busy, and so it doesn't matter with Holosync. You yeah. just go. <laughs> and then you, you have the affirmation type for morning or night to go to sleep with. I yes. like that as well. Yes, and, and the so ocean sounds, the floating. Yeah, yeah I so love that. I, really, I attribute a lot of That's amazing, Syl, that you have that. I never knew that. That is just awesome. Yeah, yeah. Oh, great. Oh, great. And I think, you know, you helped me along the way, too, um, way, way back when you turned me on to the Esther and Jerry Hicks. At the Abraham material. Abraham. Mm-hmm. Because I, I think, I don't know, maybe right after we met, I was going through a rough time with my brother and things, and, uh, yeah, that helped a lot. So, But those, those types helped me more than anything that I've ever done. Mm-hmm. Which is a lot about shifting your attitude. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Thought about that. Yeah. <laughs> but being able to see that, or the per- being able perspective, to see having this more objective yeah. perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, the greater mind. You know, yeah. putting you more in touch to, with. Yeah, to be able to see that and to make the brain connections. That's why yes. the type is so helpful because as much as we try and read and all this, it's you just. It's the activation. Yeah. And yeah. Have, you just have to get it, and in the brain, once you get it's it, it's like a switch. Yeah. You know, you kind of turn on the switch so that it becomes active. And those types, they speed you along the path. I mean, oh, I it's if incredible. We all every day and meditated for eight hours. We could probably get there, but most of us don't do that. Yeah. And and this way, it's like, uh, yeah, I'm addicted to those. I am too, but it's a positive <laughs> addiction, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't miss a day. I tell you, I wouldn't. Yeah. So, what level are you on now? I'm on. Let's see. I'm getting ready to go to. Let's see, I started, I don't know what the levels are now. Well, I'm on Awakening 4, and then you go... I'm on 3. Awakening 3? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's when, I understand, after you get through the Awakening Level 4, when you begin the next um, set, which is um, Flowering, uh, Flowering Level 1, at the beginning of that or by the end of that is when your whole world, it's totally shifted by then, and Ooh, then it just gets get better. It. Well, you know you know how it is with this. No, you can't I, push. I One time I pushed, and it's like, it, it's yeah. just a lot on the nervous system to go to no, maintain that depth of relaxation, so to speak. I've been, I, got, I got them for my birthday for myself, which I just had. So I, just I did, like, too. I need to get a new one because I just had a birthday. And I thought, well, I'm having my birthday Tuesday. Oh, yeah. I'm an 11-11 girl. Oh. And you're, you're the 27th? 10, is it? 27. Yeah, yeah 27. Yeah. 58, and life is great. Now I'll be 56. The whole, everybody knows now, Phil. Yeah. you got to make up a rhyme now, KG. Oh, uh, I know. After I heard yours, I think. I was full of high kicks because that's when I was doing Irish dancing. I was uh-huh. High kicks, so 56. Okay. I will work on that. Yeah. So, yes. So, do you encourage being assertive about your needs is important for, for for facilitating recovery? Oh, absolutely, yeah. In cancer therapy, or any, I'm sure any therapy, or any time anyone is a patient of 
anything, you know, you kind of, you need your needs met and to, mm-hmm. be, to be able to heal properly and, mm-hmm. you know, swiftly and, um, I think that's it. And with cancer, and that's why one of the things I learned about was, you know, you got to take care of yourself. <laughs> There's people around to help you out, but they got their own lives too. And, you know, if you need something like you need some quiet time or maybe you just need to get away from the house or maybe somebody needs to do laundry, mm-hmm. you need to be able to say that. If you couldn't say it before, mm-hmm. it's like now's a real time to, to really get out there and say, look, I need your help need some help and you know could you do this for me mm-hmm. but I had a hard time with that yeah yes that. yes well when you're a caretaker and you provide nurturing and care and you're service oriented it, it is a it is yeah. it doesn't come naturally to you Mm-mm. yeah it's something you have to practice and get comfortable with yeah yeah but yeah you know it's a you don't want people to you don't want to be obligated to people and sometimes when people help you you set up this obligation. And, and, you know, and of course, you don't have to do that. That's yeah, just a story you're telling yourself. Yeah, that's right. And it's like, once I, like I said, once I saw it as giving them the gift of letting them mm-hmm. help me, because they really wanted to, because mm-hmm. they want to help each other. Mm-hmm. And they want that opportunity. Just like, you know, we love to go help out at Salvation Army at Christmas. It mm-hmm. was a sense of duty to go help out there or mm-hmm. whatever. It makes us feel good, and we're doing a little yeah. bit. And people like that. People like to do, like Wayne Dyer says, you know, if you do a good deed, you both get the serotonin, and then anybody watching that gets it as well. So, yes. you know, it just creates good stuff. When yes, you, when you it do does. It, when you let people do it for you. Yes. Just bringing it back to you, you know, letting people do it creates more serotonin for everybody. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's such a wonderful thing to point out. It really yeah. is. I love when die. Oh, my phone is sounding like it's going to beep on me, or like it, the uh, battery might be running now. Okay. Well, did you hear that? yes, I did, but we're okay. We're You've been active as a volunteer for participating in cancer groups and speaking about your experience and the benefits of aromatherapy since your experience. Could you share with us the most important thing of everything that you've learned from your experience? Most important thing, I'm going to walk to another phone here, so um, the most important thing from my my volunteer experience, you mean? Well, yes, or, from, you know, from working with cancer groups and speaking about your experiences, yeah. the benefits of aromatherapy, guess, you know, yeah. what was the most important thing, you know, was there something important or, you know, something you could share as far as, far as what you share with people, what's the key thing you share with people when you're sharing your experiences. Right. I think that um, just the whole self-care aspect of things that, you know, when you have cancer, you're out of control. You, you're you under the doctor's mercy. Mm-hmm. You do what they tell you to do, whereas with aromatherapy, you're in control. So yes. it's something you can do for yourself. Self-empowerment then. Yeah. Having so, tools to empower yourself and to put yourself mm-hmm. back in control. Right. So that you can have some influence on outcomes. Right, right. So how things go. You can create an aromatic bedroom to lie in, or Mm -hmm. you can have a a nice bath to soothe away whatever happened today, or you can use a sniffy to wake yourself up because you're so tired from that treatment. Mm -hmm. And those kind of things, you know, I think. And I think it's important that people understand that they can do these things. You don't need to be an aromatherapist to do a bath put a few drops in your bath. You mm-hmm. 
you just mm-hmm. need to know what oils are safe and how mm-hmm. to use them safe. Mm-hmm. But, you know, anybody can do this. Mm-hmm. Anybody can make a little lotion to have their partner rub on their back. Was there any particular method that you used more than any other during your... During my treatment? Yeah. I like the bath. Mm-hmm. I like the nice bath because I think baths for me are good because they're relaxing, but also everything can, you know, get all, everything off and it all goes down the drain. Mm-hmm. I use it that way. Yes. Let go of a lot of Yes. Yes. Be like an Epsom salt bath or something like that, you know, to help draw out. And, mm-hmm. and you know, it can metaphorically draw things out, too. Mm-hmm. So. And the water can drive those essential oils, those aromas, yeah. into your tissues Plus where they can circulate. It. and. Yep, and the steam's putting it in the air. You're breathing it in. Mm-hmm. Going, you know, you're soaking in it. It's mm-hmm. like a good... It's a full immersion. Yeah, for 20 minutes at least. Mm-hmm. People just need, mm-hmm. We just need more baths. You know, everybody takes baths. I agree. That's my favorite, mm-hmm. using the bath. Yeah, using the bath. Relaxing. My daughter always, and to this day, when she's not feeling good, she wants a lavender bath. Mm-hmm. That's what she got as a baby. You know, mm-hmm. She's got that neuro association. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She, when she had chicken pox is when I first started. Lavender baths and lavender massage. From then on, of course, she was hooked on massage. So Mm -hmm. she didn't want one As is my little one, although he's (laughs) not so little anymore. You need something, (laughs) get them, they'll get them, won't they? But, yeah. But even even now at 24, if she's really sick, she'll come over here and even spend the night, you know. But she has her own place, but she still comes home. But yeah. That's what you want. Will you clean out the tub so I can have a lavender? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that's so sweet. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, well, tell us about your involvement in the psychosocial aromatherapy research project yeah, using aroma in children with autism and other disorders. What have you discovered about aroma and well, autism? Well, this all started with my client, who's my own client, Dr. Trevor Stokes, who's like in the top ten behavioral therapists in the world. Mm-hmm. He works with children with all kinds of problems that are usually from brain damage, maybe at birth, or then these children have gone through every other doctor's and they finally get to him because he, he can do things with them that other doctors can't. But anyway, he being my client, of course, had got exposed to aromatherapy, <laughs> whether he wanted to or not. And um, anyhow, I also had another client, a child client, who was diagnosed with slightly autistic or Asperger's when he was about two years old. and. As he would come in, these are clients to get haircuts. The the child, uh, Colin, would come, and he became fascinated with rosemary and uh-huh. uh-huh. And he would, even as a little boy, sit still in my chair if I gave him some to sniff. Wow. And uh, so then I realized he likes sniffing in general. Mm-hmm. Anything he'll mm-hmm. sniff. He's like very, um, what do you call it, nasal or whatever, odorous. But... Um, I mentioned that to Trevor, and he said, well, he had a little girl client that would, you had to bend down when you came in so she could sniff you. Really? Everything she sniffed, everything, money, candy, tables, whatever. And he he said, well, let's try an experiment with her. And now she had a phobia phobia to houseplants. Wow. She had a lot of things going on. She would howl at the moon, and she was totally out of control, but... You know, she, but for some reason she had developed this phobia to silk plants, like big ones, you know, in somebody's house. <clears throat> so I made up, um, actually, we first started with her with a stinky blend and a nice blend. 
Stinky Blend would have been something like catnip and uh-huh. and uh, and maybe spikenard or something. Uh-huh. And the other one I made like vanilla and mint, so mm-hmm. like peppermint patty. Well, she loved both of them because mm-hmm. anything that that smells. But anyhow, we we picked one that she liked, a blend that she liked. And what he did was he would use the blend to override the fear of the plant. Uh huh. So, so she he created a new neuro association. Yeah. Amazing. So, she would sniff the thing, and he would take her closer, and then let her sniff, and then closer, and sniff, and cl- finally she got over it. Oh, that is fabulous. So that's kind of what started it all. And uh-huh. so then, because Trevor, having access to graduate students and other clients, um, we developed this, this pilot study on, on these uh, five case studies of kids. We developed a little kit of 20 oils that would be easy for parents to get. If they Do you have those published on your site? Can I have yeah, those? Yeah, that, that story's on my site if oh, you wonderful. look under research. Oh, wonderful. And I'm going to interject. Or, visit Scylla if you want to learn more about her. Visit her website. That's AtlanticInstitute.com. Okay, so I keep, keep going. So, yeah, so the cancer, my cancer story is also on there under research. Both mm-hmm. of those stories are under, under the research tab. Okay. Um, so we developed the kit of 20 oils, and we began to look at the different children. And again, these stories are on the web. So oh, great! For Colin, we used the oils as a reward because he was he was cute, and and even 20 years later, he's still my client. And I videoed him to take to New Zealand because he just now is totally into the oils, and mm-hmm. I gave him his own diffuser. But I used to say he would work for oils, like these guys on the street will work for food. Uh-huh. Colin would work for oils. Uh-huh. He would do his homework and get it all done and not play with his hat or whatever it was. He he does all these little annoying things, uh-huh. distraction techniques. Like uh-huh. and, um, but he would get all his homework done if, if he could go play in his room with his diffuser on. Uh-huh. So he would, like, get his work done in order to sniff those oils. <laughs> <laughs> really, he would. <laughs> What a story. He he comes into my office. He goes for haircuts, you know, and now he's tall. He's way taller than me, and I have my little ultrasonic unit up on the shelf. And to this day, he still loves rosemary and geranium, that that blend. And uh, he'll come in. I'll try to put that in when he's coming. If if Uh I don't, he knows it's not the same blend. He'll say, what's in there today? (laughs) He'll he'll stand right up beside the thing and just kind of snort it up. It's very cute. <laughs> but then he'll go walk around in my office and look and see if I have anything new that he's not smelled before, and you know he'll open bottles and sniff around. So is that that's just one of the characteristics? Is that a common thing with autism that they have the smell thing, or is it, it each uh, each you know each each autistic each case different. or whatever is different? Well, each what one they is different because there's so many variations and yeah. degrees of autism and and like Asperger's and all that. There's a lot of, I mean, it's probably has more subheadings. I mean, autism is a very broad, it's a broad spectrum thing, yes. in other words. Yes. So, um, so it's like a syndrome almost. Yeah. And yeah. so there's certain things work on certain kids, but I right. think all parents should go check it out. I mean, what we did on, like with Colin, we would know. What we did was we took 20 oils found out their favorite three, blended them together to make them a blend, and then yes. used that for the reinforcement. Yes. Say, for one little girl, she got her bath and, and had the diffuser on at night, and that would keep her in bed and keep her from walking around while the family's sleeping. Uh-huh. And for another <laughs> little girl, she had a, this one other girl had a sensory problem. She would rip her clothes off. She couldn't <laughs> anything touching her. 
And so we would let her, they figured out a ploy of letting her jump on the bed and run around. And then if she got her clothes on and got in the car to go to school, she was allowed to have her little sniffy in the car on the way to school. And she could take it to school with her. Right. She had permission to keep it right. in class with her. So that right. was her reward. So oh, wonderful. Lot, That's so amazing. Like That's that. wonderful. It's a reconditioning it's tool. Yeah, but yeah. every child is going to be different. And if yeah. you can't muscle test, like the one child, Sienna, she doesn't talk. We had to just really look for cues on her. Yeah. And for her, she would go, we would stick two different oils under her nose at the, separately, you know, and she would pick one or two. That's the way we did it, to narrow down to three. And she would literally go after the one that she liked. If yeah. she didn't like it, she would turn her nose. So yeah. even a nonverbal child was very clear to see yes. what they picked. Yes. But, and a mother would know. You know, if a mother or father did it, usually a caretaker could do this to a child and, and yes. pick two or three oils and then make their blend and then use it for whatever they, they wanted the child to do or not. Yes. And for Sienna, her blend was used to keep her from rocking, self-stimulating behavior. Yeah. So they could use the blend over music or touch because they eliminate. They tried touch and they tried run, uh, playing music. Well, I think, don't you think aroma would be really one of the, I mean, I would think because it reaches directly. Yeah. yeah. You know, it doesn't have any yeah. filters. Yeah. You know, like the other senses the have filters, mm-hmm. whereas the, memor- the, the aroma goes directly into the brain. There's no filter. That's why I told Trevor, I said, there's got to be something here. So at least we got it started. Now, what, mm-hmm. you know, what gets done with it? We've had oh, I'm excited about this because um, we're starting to do, in the hospital where we're introducing aromatherapy, mm-hmm. we're began, beginning to uh, uh, talk about doing some uh, research studies yeah. uh, using aroma within the memory care center oh, and okay. also in the ICU uh, for emer- you know, with nurses to have a comfort room where we can do a study to see how aroma can help them with dealing with the stress and anxiety. I just read a study on that from the AIA. Really? Yeah, they just put out their little newsletter. I'll try and forward it to you. Oh, that would be fabulous. The, Please. Nurses. Please. Maybe in ICU, but nurses in stress. Yeah. Yes. Well, send that to me because we're looking at all those and mm-hmm. deciding how we want to set up our research study. Wow. But this, what you're doing with Colin, sounds yeah. wonderful. We could also, I could also um, present... Yeah. That research as another way of doing research because, like you said, we need to do research in the field and really exactly, exactly prove, you know, show that what we know works does. Yes, what every other modality does, they're always proven that what they're doing works. Yes, we have never done that. Yes, never done it. So, So I'm on it. I'm on it. I'm finally, you know, at the place where, you know, that's one of my things. I really want to get into the research aspect. And if you have access to, like, university or, I mean, people in the academic world, they need to publish. They need yes. these. And there's people willing to hook up with you to do it. Yes. To make sure it's done right. And then you've got, like, you know, a clientele full of willing people or a hospital ward or whatever. All you ha- It just has to be done right. And yes. And it can be put into the literature. Well, maybe you could, you know, if you have any suggestions about how to, um, when we get this research, you know, I'd like to learn more about exactly the best, you know, you know how to go about getting it published yeah, in some of these experts. Now, yes. I used to work a lot with Michael Kirk Smith, and I've kind of lost touch with him. But he is always willing to help people from you know 
from the research aspect, setting yes. it up right from the get-go, yes. and then, you know, doing it right yes, all so, the way. So, so send me any contacts or whatever for helping me so we set yeah. this up right. So well, that would be fabulous. Not, again, on my website on that same research tab, there is a big article about why we need to do this. Yeah. About the whole research issue and our yeah. doing it as a Well, a great. That's wonderful. So recently you began publishing a series of aromatherapy books beginning with the Aromatic Spa book in 2007 and the Aromatic Mind book in 2008. Tell us about your new series, Scylla, of books and where we can buy them. Well, you can buy them right off of my website. If you scroll down to the uh, on the home page, there's tabs on both of them. You can read what it's about and some reviews and look at a table of contents. But uh these books basically basically came out of a need for a smaller bit of information. Like, in other words, when I go and do talks, I do a lot of talks at local uh, skin and massage schools. And these are students, of course, and they're not ready for my big book. You know, they're just getting started. And I thought, you know, if I had something small, mm-hmm. they would get started on the right foot instead yeah. of you know, investing a lot of money or just learning, you know, whatever. They don't learn anything about aromatherapy in aesthetic school much other than, you know, that they should take some classes. But And most of them, like I said, they're not going to take the class right away. So I, I said, well, I just need a small book. So what I did was I distilled bits and pieces of my course, mm-hmm. the study course, mm-hmm. it's fully detailed, as you know, and put just enough in to make a book for spa professionals. So it Wonderful. So skin and massage. Mm-hmm. And then from there, I said, well, I need a massage book, and then I need just a skin care book, because the original idea came from a skin care class. So yes. I started with a skin book, but it developed it into the spa book, which will now turn into a skin and a massage book, all with a basic format, similar but uh, with the details for each modality. And so then, of course, I had to do the mind book and how aromatherapy works on the mind. Mm -hmm. And that became my second book here for mental health professionals. But what I envision is a whole series of little books Mm -hmm. for each profession. Mm -hmm. So that way, uh, you know, aromatherapists like me can talk to mental health professionals and tell them how and why this works and throw in some research and mm-hmm. speak in their language and teach them about olfaction mm-hmm. and, and bring up, a, you know, enough for them to be able to relate to it mm-hmm. and so they, too, can start maybe oh, wonderful. put a diffuser in their room or whatever. And ultimately, it's all a marketing ploy to get people to buy my book and course. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, uh, I came up, and during, this was all during uh, when I was using, first started on these uh, Centerpoint tapes here, and I had this brainstorm about the the Scylla book series. Yeah, and then amazing how you get those. Uh, yes. You go deep it, down, and you get these. Started the, out as a joke, you know. Yeah. Like the Scylla book series, like who the hell is Scylla? I love that <laughs> Scylla books. Scylla book series. Spa book, which is spa, and then B is capitalized, but it's one word: spa book. You know, mm-hmm. or mind book, or child book, or elder book. So I have a whole series coming. Mm-hmm. Out. The next one is the child book, and that'll go along with the. Oh, wonderful! You know, the, it'll have the Colin yeah. story in it and everything. Oh, wonderful! And the Colin story is actually in the mind book as well, but I'm going to do one for uh, children that it's not just mental; it's for also you know children's wounds and stuff like that. Right. Oh, that's wonderful. That'll keep me busy for the next few years. Yes. And, uh, eventually I'll do a an addition to my big manual and bring up some oils that were left out the first time around. Yes. Oils that have come out since yes. that was written. 
Well, those are kind of big books that you've written, you know, quite compendiums of information <laughs> compared to what's out there, you know, uh, compared to what generally is out there. You know, they're very comprehensive. And I didn't set out to write those either, you know, back in my story of when I had my salon and when I closed down. I really, when I closed down, I wrote a, I was writing my home study course, and in the middle of that I decided I wanted a wall chart. And so I got some poster boards, and I started putting lines on them and penciling in how I wanted it to be. And mm -hmm. pretty soon it was two double-sided wall charts. And mm -hmm. I said, darn, I need a, I better make this into a book. And my husband said, well, you should use my computer and use it, you know, make it nice. So pretty soon I took over his office. And <laughs> the book I had in his office. He finally kicked me out and made me buy my own computer. Uh huh. And so I did it all, you know, but there was nights when I would just be with looking up everything mm -hmm. for lavender. Mm -hmm. And I don't even remember doing it. I think it was channeled. You know? I know you right. just channel the information. You know, it's like you tune into that, the big mind or something, you know. But it, I mean, it really, it started as a poster, but it just got bigger and bigger. And then yeah. I had to add an index, and then I needed a what is aromatherapy. And yeah. by the time it was done, I know you just show up, you know, show <laughs> up every day, and you're shown another step, and then you just. Carry on on the journey. It's a journey. It's a journey. It's a journey. And at 58, I have a journey to look back on, you know. When I was 20, I didn't have much of a journey. But now I, I keep Isn't it wonderful that. having perspective? I love it. I oh, love it. it's wonderful. I look at all the phases of my life. And I recently reread my journals from in my 20s and 30s, you know. And, and that was kind of interesting, too, to look back at how I mm -hmm. thought back then and mm -hmm. my, my concerns of relationship or whatever. Mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. uh, it, was, it was interesting to do that. Yeah. Well, thanks again for joining us, Scylla. Is there anything you'd like to share with our listeners before we uh, close? Or I can't think of a thing right now, okay. but I'm sure as soon as I hang up I will, but okay. <laughs> you can visit the website. Yes. United Aromatherapy is, is also out there. Okay. You can get to that from the Atlantic Institute. Yes. I'm sure our listeners will benefit. This has been a wonderful conversation, and you've shared a lot of practical and useful wisdom. And I'm sure everyone will love it and benefit um, from uh, the information you've shared. You can learn more about Scylla and her work by visiting her website, AtlanticInstitute.com. That's AtlanticInstitute.com. Well, have a beautiful day, everyone, and thanks again for joining us.